Welcome back to the Stick 'Em Up podcast. Brundy, what do we got for this week? Um, it's been a bit of a quiet week, and I think that's mostly because, you know, we're kind of at the all-star break now, and not many games um, have really taken place, so naturally, not a lot of news coming from that. But uh, we got some, some all-star news, we got some trade news, um, probably the one of the bigger, oh, well, the biggest trade we've had so far this season. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then put potential uh, more, more NHL expansion talks. So we can, uh, where, where do you want to start here? Um, let's start with, uh, let's start with a couple of the milestones. Off All the right. Top. Uh, so Lars Eller, uh, over the weekend hit uh 1000 career nhl games uh definitely did not think he had uh played that many but uh well deserved he's been an absolute journeyman for a lot of teams yeah he's he's carved out a a nice uh, career for himself and you know a lot of people just kind of remember him with um washington being a big part of their uh their cup winning team, but a lot of people kind of fail to realize that he, he played um quite a bit with uh, Montreal before as well. So yeah, for the he, longest he time, a good chunk of games with that. I as definitely well. knew him as that, as a Canadian. And, you know, some guys, you know, you, we got so used to Tavares being a, an Islander. And then, you know, after a while you remember him as a leaf, but he uh, yeah. really had uh, two great stints with those teams and has been a very solid guy throughout his career. Solid enough that when you go on Google and look him up and go under videos, the first video is when he got his shit rocked in the playoffs by uh, Eric Griba. So according to Google, that's his biggest career highlight. So um, righteous. Take, take that for what it's worth there. But nonetheless, uh, you know, Stanley Cup champion and uh, might, might be uh, in, in some... Some trade talks actually coming up. I, I think we're we're about a month away from the uh, the trade deadline, um, so it's going to be interesting to see where where he goes because Pittsburgh's uh, kind of we're unsure of of what's going on with them or what they're going to be doing. So maybe keep an eye on on Lars Eller for uh, someone potentially to be moved. Yeah, it'll be really interesting with Pittsburgh in general to see what they do going into the deadline. You know, are they really going to push to try and make those playoffs? Are they they going to call it quits? Uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what they uh, they decide to do over there. I think they should stay exactly where they're at. I hope they finish right where they're at. They're that just works out well for enough, right. They're just they're just outside the the bottom ten teams. So that's that's right where I want them to be. Oh, did they? Uh, the Sharks have their first. Yeah, and if if Pittsburgh finishes top in protected. top ten, yeah. yeah. So I like where they're at right now, especially with um, some of the players that are going to be available around that you know eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen spot. Um, it'd, be, it'd be nice, but we'll we'll wait and see what goes on with them because again, Gensel is also another guy that's uh, rejected um, an offer from the Penguins, so it kind of seems like. There might not be a deal that they're going to be able to agree on, so he might he's probably going to be moved at the deadline as well, which evidently makes that team uh, much worse. Yeah, and honestly, if I were a Sharks fan, I'd almost almost be hoping that they finish in the bottom ten so that 
Because after that, I assume then you get their first next year unprotected, Regardless. right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't see him being they lose, next year. If they lose Gensel and they and they all get a year older, I don't see them getting a ton better. Eric Carlson, no. Latang, Crosby, Malkin, all of them a- another year older. Like without but the Gensel. thing is, is some of them don't seem to age. Like Crosby's only getting better. It oh, seems. that's fa- and that's totally fair. And we'll, we'll, we've got a trade we'll we'll dive into in a little bit here. But looking at that trade, you now got to think that the price for Gens was even higher than what it was. And so I think not only will Pittsburgh get some good um, young pieces back, they will get young pieces that I think will will be a big part of their team, um, you know, for the remainder of this season or or just next season in itself. But I don't see them, uh, you know, finishing in a, a bottom ten team this year and next year. That's Especially fair. because I think if they finish a bottom 10 team, um, I think they, you know, there's going to be a coaching change made there. And I think that um, will also be a huge part in, in turning it around for them. And plus, just because of the players that are available in this draft in that spot um, is. I'm not even looking at, at what's available next year, because seeing the guys available there, it's it's like if you can get one of those guys, you got to. Hope, hope that you can capitalize on on snagging one of them. Yeah, that's that's absolutely fair. And, you know, it's hard to ever get a uh, guess against Crosby, right? He's exactly. So consistent. Yeah. A um, couple other uh, milestones. We got uh, Alex Turcott got, got his first NHL career goal the other night. Finally. I, I definitely thought he had one by now. When I saw it, I was a bit surprised, but it was uh, it was a nice goal. Uh, good for him. Yeah, it's not often you see a guy who was a former fifth overall pick, and now he's uh, 22, turning 23 at the end of this month. And he, he finally gets his first uh, first goal. You know, he's a maybe he's a late bloomer, though. You, you never quite know with some of those guys. So maybe, yeah, maybe LA's on. got another weapon that is finally yeah, ready to the make Kings. the jump for him. So yeah. the Kings are a pretty, pretty well-built team at the moment. So it's uh, it's very possible that he just couldn't, quite crack the lineup because they had you know guys that might be on a third line on a lot of teams playing on their fourth yeah kind of making it hard to push into that lineup we even saw quentin byfield take a little extra time so yeah but uh good for him and uh we got austin matthews hitting uh 600 career points which is wild it it does not feel like he's been in the league that long yeah i can still remember feels like just the other day that I was watching his first game and he dropped four goals and now we're at a point where he's already got 600 career points is, uh, is quite crazy how, how quickly time goes by. Um, when you put it in that perspective. Yeah, he is absolutely racking them up. It's also um, wild comparing that to McDavid. It's, it's so unfair to compare anyone to McDavid, but like McDavid got drafted a year earlier and he's already what he already hit 900, didn't he? Uh, yeah, yeah. Before I actually, I've got a thing about comparing um, to McDavid. Um, before I get into that, um, just another one that actually just happened last night. Um, Shakir Mukhamadoulin, I was talking about him in the last episode about how San Jose had just recalled him. Um, he recorded his first uh, NHL point last night, getting an assist. Um, I mean, you know, he, 
he's only played th- uh, three games up with the Sharks now, but he he looks like their best defenseman when he's out there. Um, he already looks just so comfortable out there. I think San Jose's got a great piece in him. Um, he's not their best defenseman as of this moment when he was playing because uh, Mark Edward Vlasic has, uh, has turned back time and has been uh, lighting the lamp like crazy, which... I think uh, deserves a shout out. He has five goals in his last nine games, and he's currently on a three-game goal streak going into the All-Star break, which I don't think a single person would have had uh, on their bingo card there. Uh, Absolutely not. I mean, so not only is he known for being incredibly over the hill for like several years at this point, but even in his prime, he was a fantastic shutdown defenseman, you know, a shot blocking machine. He wasn't known for scoring goals. That's why they had Brent Burns. So it's, uh, it's wild to see him just come out this January and he's just absolutely firing him into the net right now. Yeah, actually also, um, uh, speaking of defensemen, um, one thing I wanted to point out that's interesting, this is by, uh, data driven hockey. Um, so through their analytics, um, I'm going to give you um, their top 15 um, defensemen, taking into account all of the um, advanced stats. And, and some of these are, are kind of surprising, actually. Okay. Um, so 15, they have Eric Carlson. All right. Is this like Four- just like overall like value to the team? Like offensive, defensive, everything? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. Uh, 14, Gustav Forsling. Interesting. I definitely wouldn't have had him up there. 13, Morgan Riley. That makes sense. Number 12, Brett Pesci. (laughs) I I would not have had that. 11, Jalen Shatfield. This is they, yeah. These are a lot of weird names that I another, would not have expected. Uh, another um, Hurricanes defenseman, uh, number ten, Matthias Ekholm. Ekholm makes sense. Number nine, Miro Heiskanen. Okay. We're seeing another trend of the theme here. Number eight, Brady Shea. So they just they just love the Hurricanes, huh? Well, they, they're all Hurricanes defense are playing really good this year. Aside from uh two um number seven quinn hughes right number six oliver ekman larson that's that's fair i man i was so annoyed when florida signed him i really wanted tampa to pick him up if we could have got him for cheap i i was hoping we'd sign him yeah i think a lot of teams looking at when it was happening we're like i, I don't know if i if they necessarily wanted the team down, but looking at it now, it's like, yeah, you, you wish you could have gotten your hands on him. Uh, he looks number- bad when he's making more than like six mil, but if you can sign him for a lot less than that, it's a good yeah. player still. Number five, Adam Fox. Interesting. Which, so it's, so no, it's no probably, surprise. so it's probably per game then. Cause he's missed time, but yeah. Number four, Kale McCarr. Yep. Number three, Jacob Slavin. There he is. You knew he'd be there. Number two, Evan Bouchard. Okay. I mean, he's been, he's been lighting it up with uh, McDavid over there and 
I really don't know much about his defensive game. I don't know if he has a, a bit of a two-way game to him or if he's yeah, just Yeah, he's, he's guy, playing but... a no, he's playing a really solid uh two-way game. Um his his even strength D is actually the highest out of uh, every guy on this list. So, but he's also um the only other one aside from Eric Carlson who doesn't have anything um for penalty kill. So, so take take that um for for what you will. Can I guess then, that uh, number one? Yeah, Noah Dobson. It is not Noah Dobson. He he's oh. he's pretty pretty bad defensively. Is he okay? Yeah. Number one, continuing with the trend, is none other than Brent Burns. Jeez, is this guy's profile picture a Carolina Hurricanes jersey? No. No, literally, like looking at all their stats, like is uh, is nuts. Like their their defense are are playing really well, which is why you see their goalies um, not really having the greatest numbers. But it's interesting with Carolina that they've got five guys there in the top fifteen, but not included is Dmitry Orlov, who they threw the bag at um, last off season, and then. Yeah, the reuniting crazy. with uh, Tony D'Angelo. So those are the two guys that are that are left off the list. When it kind of looked like with signing Orlov and bringing in D'Angelo, it was going to be like you know uh, Jalen uh, Shatfield was going to be the one moving to kind of that seventh uh, defenseman. And I mean he's he's outplaying both of them in in terms of uh, advanced stats. So. I don't know how much uh, Carolina. how much value I'd put into that. Like, I there is there's something to it for sure. But you know, Jalen Chatfield has not played like a top fifteen NHL defenseman this year. You know, like like I get whatever whatever numbers he has uh, to put it together, but. It's uh, he's, he's, but he definitely plays better than than Orlov and uh, D'Angelo. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, absolutely. He's, he's he's not bad though. Like I wasn't a fan of him, but when you watch his game, like he he's one of those guys almost where it's like you don't notice him, which means he's not doing anything wrong. Like it's not like he's excelling yeah. in errors, but he's not. He's never making mistakes out there. Um, from the from the games that I've watched, so. And like that's, I'm, that's exactly I'm not a what Jan Hurricane was for fan. us in our cup runs. Like you would almost never out there, and that's a good thing because he's playing out there twenty minutes a night with Victor Hedman, and you never notice him making a dumb play. Like yeah, he's with Hedman. He doesn't need to be the one setting up all the plays. So yeah, if you have the right team makeup, that's all you need. Yeah. Um, and then the one we'll just quickly run through this one um, because most of these are are pretty standard. There's a couple standouts, um, but TSN. I don't know if you've seen this, but TSN dropped their uh, top twenty players in the NHL right now. I did not see this. Okay, so I'll uh, I'll run you uh, through, and this is currently like as of as of this moment. Um, so uh, is no this a uh, is this just like put together by a couple of their insiders and writers? This one isn't uh, based on stats. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So number twenty, Sebastian Aho. Fair. Number nineteen, Jack Hughes. 
that's got to be because he was injured. Most most likely. I'm assuming if he had played all season, they probably yeah. would have him higher. That's got to um, be. Number 18, Thatcher Demko. Yeah, I think that's fair. He's been very solid for Vancouver. Also worth noting, he's only um, one of two goalies two. on this I was gonna list. Say, I, I was going to say, at this moment, he's head and shoulders second best goalie in the league. So I would expect yeah. him to be one of two. Yeah, and and keep in mind this is all just off off of this um, season. So yeah, uh, number seventeen, Zach Hyman. He's he's good. He plays with McDavid, but yeah, I don't if think he, he drives the line on his own. Yeah, he's no. not. Are you really? Don't get me wrong. I like Zach Hyman, but yeah, he's he's a great and he's a great guy to compliment McDavid's game. But yeah. If uh, if a team comes to me and says, uh, "Do you want Sebastian Aho or do you want Zach Hyman?" I'm taking Sebastian Aho. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, number sixteen, William Nylander. That's fair. Number fifteen, fair Sam Reinhart. Honestly, like it's like it's almost insane to say, but like if they're just going off this season. Sam Reinhardt should probably be higher. Yeah, that's what like I'm he's thinking. He's been really good. Number 14, Leon Dreisaitl. Yep, I think pretty much any other year he'd be higher, but he's having a bit of a down year at yeah. the moment. Number 13, Artemi Panarin. He could probably be higher too. He's he's doing really good for the Rangers. But there's only so many spots. Yeah. Number twelve, JT Miller. That's Which fair. I, I think I think is fair. I think you could knock him down a little, but like I mean, splitting hairs, like knock him to fourteen for something. Yeah, number eleven, Sidney Crosby. Which yeah, I think that one's kind of interesting considering the season he's having. But again, when you look at the guys in the top ten, it's like oh, it's good. I can it's, see um, why. I. I realize that, you know, just like five guys in a row, I'm like, that's that's too low. But then I'm thinking, like, th- there's only so many spots, and there's a lot of guys having great years. Yeah. Number 10, Elias Pedersen. That's fair. That's a good spot for him. Number 9, the other goalie on this list, Connor Hellebuck. Yeah. Number 8, Miko Rantanen. I... I think he's one of the guys that have a bit lower than a couple of the guys I was saying earlier. I think I think he's very good, but I think he's very slightly overrated, and that's only because people rate him, you know, in the top 10 players in the NHL. Yeah. He's a very solid player. Yeah. Number seven, David Pasternak. Yep. Now, this one I personally would swap him because, I mean... We don't know for sure, but TSN's saying it's just based off this season. Um, but it, I mean, and if it's based off just this season, then I would swap these two. But number six is Quinn Hughes, and number five is Kale McCarr. Um, and I think if you're yeah. going just off this season, I think personally I would have Quinn Hughes higher. I um, completely agree. I I think at that point, uh, they're kind of came to. I imagine they came to the agreement of these guys are about tied. But we like Kale McCarr more, so we're just going to put him up. Yeah. And yeah, it's one position, so yeah, it's fair enough. Uh, number four, 
Austin Matthews. Yep. Yep, he's been really good. I'm very interested to see where McDavid lands on this. Number three, Nikita Kucherov. Okay, okay. Number two, Connor McDavid. No shot. Which means number one is Nathan McKinnon. You, Which, if, I mean, in fairness, if you are going off this season, McKinnon should be one. But if it's also based off this season, McDavid shouldn't be two. I was going to say, either Con- if Connor McDavid was one, I would be fine with it because he's Connor fucking McDavid. If he's not first, that means he's behind Kucherov and McKinnon automatically. Yeah. I would also argue behind Matthews. Yeah, you could even make the argument. You could make the argument that McDavid literally could be six. Yeah. Like, it's not uh, based off this season. It's not absurd to say I would have Makar and, and Hughes higher, yeah. personally. But that's Basing the thing. Is, it like, on if, this if he's season, not one, he shouldn't be two. He should be yeah. three or, or one or three. Going to, yeah. yeah. Depending on how you look at it. I, yeah. I personally would have, and there is bias here, I would have Kucherov one, McKinnon two, uh Matthews three and then honestly I'd probably still put uh Hughes McCarr before McDavid based on this season alone uh obviously if we're going off you know career last three years any of that McDavid is one he yeah he clears and it's not even close yeah but that's interesting I I think TSN I think a lot of these sports journalists uh groups really want to push the story of McDavid or M- McKinnon winning the heart. Yeah. Um, just a, just a couple hours ago, an hour ago, I was watching the all-star competition where they were picking the and drafting the teams. And they announced McKinnon as the heart trophy favorite. Yeah. Like they, I think they really want to push that narrative. Yeah. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think, again, I think, you know, unless something crazy happens from now to the end of the season, I think McKinnon probably does win it just because, um, you know, and, and like we talked about, regardless of whether or not people say it or not, like there is that that ultimate bias. And yeah. I mean, it it sucks in, in this day and age, but when you look at it and they're like, do we pick a Canadian or a Russian? They're going to pick the Canadian 9.9 times out of 10 like that's just yeah the, the the way it is so um again so unless kucherov goes on a historic run here from now to end the season mckinnon falls off a cliff um yeah it's yeah it's so it's so hard to predict because the voters are unpredictable but also they both have so many things going for them you know like uh People want McKinnon to win because he's never won in the individual awards that people figure he would have by now. But also Kucherov is absolutely carrying this lightning team. But also people yeah. don't like the Russian and they love the Canadian. Like there's there's so many different reasons pulling back and forth. It's it's really hard to differentiate which way it's yeah. gonna go. Yeah, I yeah, I completely agree. It's and it'll be interesting to see, like we've talked about, you know who gets the heart and then what happens with the Ted Lindsay like do because that's very telling I think if you see you know McKinnon gets voted for 
the Hart Trophy wins it by a landslide, but then you see Kucherov, you know, maybe win the Ted Lindsay by a landslide. It's kind of like, well, you know, yeah, and, and maybe, again, maybe we've these guys it. behind the books don't know what they're talking about. Or who knows? Yeah. Maybe if Matthews scores, you know, 67 goals, all the players go, yeah, that's really fucking hard and vote for him. Or they yeah. vote for Hellebuck because he's having an insane year. Like, I could, I could see a lot of guys winning the Lindsay. I can see maybe three different guys winning the heart at the moment. Yeah, I, I really do think that the heart is, is kind of a three-horse race, whereas the Lindsay um, can definitely go a bunch of different ways. But um, Moving on, we've got some other uh, news to discuss. Um, which one do we want to dive into? We kind of got... Uh, we we got four kind of other things on the on the the chopping block here. Um, so I don't know how much steam this has currently, but uh, we'll talk about how uh Forsyth County, uh, that's a county in Georgia in the U.S., uh, is about to greenlight the Arena Project, which is, as the name sounds, a project that will allow them to build a NHL caliber arena uh, in their county. So it's basically sounds like they're looking to get the Thrashers back into the NHL. Yeah, wh- whether it's going to be the Thrashers or or a different team name, I'm not 100% sure. My biggest concern is like th- this is this is their last run at it. Like they've already had and and, and, I, and I like the idea of a team in Atlanta, don't get me wrong, but it's like they had two chances. They failed miserably. And it's like, you know, it's there, there's, they must have something that shows them that this is this time it's going to be successful. Um, I, what, what that is, I don't I'm not even sure, think that's but... the case. I, I think if it were to fail, I think they could go again. There's, there's such a market in Atlanta. It's massive. And, and let's, let's not pretend, you know, this isn't a, a Winnipeg situation you know it they didn't have people not coming out because the arena was tiny and it sucked or uh, weather or prices the thrashers were abysmal the entire time they ever existed it it was a gm it was a coach problem it, it was a player problem it wasn't it wasn't a business problem like i think a lot of people think it was they just sucked ass and there was no they, they light did. at the end they of the did time. yeah and I think but I guess that's the, the biggest thing. thing is you need fan support. You know, you see all these other teams that, you know, suck and go through rebuilds and they still get that fan support. And Atlanta just started to not get that. And so if it's like if the mar- if your team can only thrive there, if it's good and then if they got to go through a rebuild and the fans give up on the team, then that's probably not somewhere where you want to, uh, you know, ha- have have a team there. You want a team that's going to have a fan base that. We'll stick I don't with think... them through good times and bad, not just if they're only a good team. I think most teams in the league would have would have failed. Uh, a good chunk of them would have failed if they had the same the same product that the Thrashers put out there. I wonder if the Lightning would have worked. I wonder if San Jose would have. A lot of those teams, um, they really. Uh, they were just so bad, and like uh, all these were, other teams, don't, at don't least throw San Jose in there. They they uh, made it work with a shit roster in the fucking Cow Palace of all places. Oh yeah, and Tampa was bad early too. But like you know, after a couple of years, they started you know around 
2000, they started turning it around. And so, you know, uh, the Islanders, for example, you know, they were pretty bad throughout most of the 2000s and and the the 2010s. But they had such a fan base because they had a history of winning that these guys were already, they were committed to it. But the Thrashers showed up and they sucked. And these guys held on for about 10 years and they just sucked the whole time and that never looked like it was getting better. Like, I think having just like, you know, obviously not like a legitimate dynasty, but like having this like dynasty of like a, just these guys that represent Calgary gives or <laughs> get, represents your team gives you something. In my mind, I was thinking as of Calgary as an example, you know, even if even if they never won a cup, you know, guys like Aginla and stuff, you know, they really built up the fan base for for the coming rebuild afterwards that, you know, sucked for a long time, but they they kept at it because, you know, by that point you've cheered for a team and you've know what it's like to be good, but I yeah. just the threat they were so bad. And, you know, it's it makes me think of the Panthers. Like, if the Panthers didn't turn it around five-ish seasons ago, I wonder how long they'd keep going before people started going, maybe they're going to relocate before Arizona. Like, oh, there, there was always, they, Their name was always kind of thrown around by people of, yeah. of that they, they should. Um, I, I think it really comes down to if you're, if you're going to, you know, you're going to put a team there, you need to make sure that you've got the, the best owner possible. And yeah, I think if, if they're massive. going to do it, I think there's one choice and one choice only. They need to do whatever they can to get the owner of the Atlanta Falcons as the owner of whatever potential team they have. Because the owner of the Atlanta Falcons does whatever he can to create the best atmosphere and get as many fans as possible, even if that's making the price of, of stuff at the stadium as low as he possibly can while still making money, he'll do it. Um, the, the amount of stuff he does to really um, create this great atmosphere that the Atlanta Falcons have in, in the NFL is, is incredible. And even just seeing interviews, like he's such a humble guy. Like he just, it's just because he loves that team and he loves football and he takes pride in that. And if they can get him to, you know, maybe not the main or, but be a part of, of this, um, team that they're looking to bring i think could be a huge step up for w whatever team name they're gonna go with i think if they go back to atlanta just do the thrashers i think everybody w would want that i i absolutely do i always thought the thrashers was a super cool name i personally like their logo i don't know how popular it really was but no it was, it was popular i don't it was yeah popular. I, say, I don't think people disliked it but and when they left and went to winnipeg they Winnipeg just became the Jets again. So, yeah, it, it's it's not unrealistic to be like, yeah, they're, you know what, they're going back. They, they can't do the, the Flames because that already exists. So go back to the Thrashers. And I think yeah. if, again, I think if they roll out those, you know, baby blue jerseys with the Thrashers logo, I think people who aren't even Thrashers fans um, would would buy those jerseys just because of how, how iconic they are. Yeah, and I'm thinking, you know, like a... A reverse retro or an alternate jersey that's like black that has their like yellow and red like Thrasher logo on the front. That would look sick. That would look really good. 
what was the um I'm gonna look it up here. What was the Red Thrasher's jersey they had? Uh I feel like it had some Yeah, it was kind of sick. Like it literally just shoulders. said it literally just yeah, it had the kind of the the middle part of the Thrasher's logo, just kind of the bird part on the shoulders, and then it just said Thrasher's in the middle with the number underneath. Um like, that, that's sick, man. Um, I was curious, so I just Googled it um, just because I was talking about how having a history of winning helps the team. Um, discounting the original six era, um, no team has ever relocated after winning a Stanley Cup. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, that's yeah, that's the thing. Once you've got that, once you've won a cup and you've got that history, it shows that. Yeah, you've that, got that pedigree yeah. to your team. You know, you're... That that even if it's just the one, you know, Washington's just got that one, but that immediately separates them from from the Nashvilles, from the Blue Jackets. So it uh, yeah, it really kind of changes things around. And and there's other ways to get it. Like I was saying, you know, you know, I think San Jose is at much less of a risk of relocation uh, because of guys like Joe Thornton, Patrick Marlowe, you know, Brent Burns uh, versus who's. Who's the best predator to ever play? Her, David Legwand? I guess it has honestly, to be Pecorino. It's honestly, it's honestly probably Philip Forsberg at this point. You can make that for Pecorino, but I think yeah. their best player in franchise history is currently on, Philip Forsberg on that team. at this point. Yeah. Um, and it's also, I mean, you know, say the say the Coyotes had had won a cup already, and you relocate them, you can't take a Arizona Coyotes Stanley Cup banner and go and put it up in in Houston, in their arena or something. Like, you you just can't do that. Yeah. So you're really going to take a Stanley Cup banner and be like, well, it's just going to be put away forever in storage or something like that. It's, yeah, it's it just, I don't think we'll ever see a day and age where uh, a team that's won the Stanley Cup is, is going to be relocated. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And while we're at it, uh, let's let's just shout out how dumb the idea is that you don't keep your cities stats you keep your franchises yeah the uh, Ilya Kovalchuk yeah. uh should not have been the Winnipeg Jets leading uh franchise scorer for as long as he was I believe he got passed by uh Blake Wheeler at this point but yeah the, uh like it should it should be Timu Solani it should be Dale Howarchuk you know they played for the Jets especially the fact that yeah Kovalchuk never even played a game for 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 them like for yeah. the jets so yeah he only played in atlanta and when there's already so much pedigree with those some of those guys in winnipeg just with a different quote franchise it's uh very lame yeah the way the, way the nhl officially looks at it yeah yeah but it's gonna be something to keep an eye on i think if they can again i think a big thing comes down to you know who 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 do you get to be your owner? Like you got to have someone that actually is going to put time and money and effort into uh, creating a great team there. Like if you've got someone who's just there to to make some money and that's it and doesn't care what what happens, then I think it's going to be yeah. another failure there. But I think if you get someone in who actually wants to to create a cup winning team and you know the the way that Vegas did it, um, I think is and now obviously. You know, Atlanta's not going to get a team and uh, win a cup in their first six years like Vegas. I mean, the the way Vegas came in, um, they really, you know, put the boots to a lot of teams with some of the moves they made. 
Um, and I think teams have learned from that. But, you know, I think if you get a you get an owner in there who who envisions, you know, within 10 to 15 years and be like, yeah, we can win a cup. I think uh, they, they can be successful there, but winning has yeah. to happen there. You can't put out a, a, a dog shit team uh, year after year. Yeah. But um, we'll see what happens with them. We'll keep an eye on that. So now that's that's two potential um, yep, expansion. Salt Lake City. So which really is interesting because Houston was was kind of the, the top one. And now it's like there's been no talk on them. And it's like, so now what do you because, again, I'm still a believer if you're doing expansion teams, I think you got to You just got to be like, you know, it doesn't have to be all at once. But I think you got to put down the foundation for four just to, again, create that parity um, within the league. Just my personal opinion. But obviously, that would be over the span of a a 10 year period or so. Yeah. It wouldn't all, all happen at once. It'll be kind of, you know, whatever you do, whether it's one year, it's one team, two years later, it's the next and so on. Or you do, you, you, you do what they did in, uh, I think it was 2000. Um, you do two this year and then in, you know, four yeah, or I five think- years, you just, you just throw in another two. Um, yeah, they used to, they used to do just two new teams, you know, uh, uh, the Senators in Tampa entered at the same time. I believe in 2000, it was uh, the Blue Jackets in the wild. Both came in. Yeah. They, uh, they really liked bringing in uh, two teams at once, and they really did not help those teams out in the past. It was, it was sink or swim for them uh, yeah. when coming into the league. They didn't get to pick players off other rosters like they do now. So, it'll, Especially it'll with how deep teams are nowadays. Yeah. Like you look at some teams and like you look at Toronto and like you could get a great player from there. Um, so many different teams you can get. Uh, you you could you could get great and and I think that what makes it kind of interesting is if you've got two teams, uh, you know, in in the mix and you're you're doing it all at once. It's like do you see some trades happen between those teams to secure that you know if. Uh, you know, Salt Lake City grabs X player and Atlanta was like, shit, we wanted to get them. Do you see them, you know, make a trade and, and whatnot to to try and get the players that, that they wanted more? It, it'd be a really interesting thing. That It would it would be um, very cool. And, you know, we it, might never get to see. We we saw it at the last expansion drive for Seattle. Um, Toronto paid a first round pick to Pittsburgh uh, to get Kapanen. Uh, so they could. Uh, no, Kaplan was a different one. It was Toronto traded with Pittsburgh to get um Jared McCann to get Jared and that McCann. was so. And um, that... Seattle didn't take Kerfoot, so they didn't take Kerfoot. That's it. And I know a lot of Toronto fans were like, "Why didn't we keep McCann instead of Kerfoot?" But uh, yeah, so yeah, and it's, that's like, it's funny that they paid, they paid a first round pick to lose a forty goal score. I don't think they gave up a first for McCann. No, I thought I thought it was a first, but it might not I know have been. that the, the first round pick was they used to they sent the first round pick to um Carolina. So Carolina would take um they would take on Patrick Marlowe's contract and buy him out. Uh the Jared McCann was 
for Philip Hallander and a seventh round pick. Oh, wow. I definitely thought they paid a first. Never mind. Yeah, so they they really and Philip Hallander is isn't even in the, in the league anymore. I was so gonna like, say, who's Philip Hallander? Why did uh, why did Pittsburgh do this trade? Well, at the time he was uh, a former second round pick and just starting to come into his own um, and coming over from from Sweden. So he was kind of a actually a, a pretty good looking prospect at the time and and just uh, uh, didn't pan out. But yeah, looking oh. at it, it's like it's like yeah, yeah, it's like Toronto goes out and makes a move to bring in a player just to shield the guy that, that they couldn't protect when it now kind of looks like they, they picked the wrong two of the players to protect. But yeah, I think it curve had already priced himself out of Toronto. McCann would have, would have anyways. So yeah, uh, that's fair. Really, really not, not much different now looking at either way. Cause they, they wouldn't have uh, I, either of them, which, which if, if they went a different route. Um, uh, the, uh, Edmonton Oilers are currently, they have increased their win streak from last time. They're now at 16. They're tied with Columbus for second all-time win streak. One more win, and they tie Pittsburgh uh, yeah. for the all-time longest regular season win streak at 17. That'll, uh, that'll be really interesting to see. And, and their first game back there. after the All-Star break is they're playing in Vegas. So that's that's kind of the one that's that's going to be the difference maker that's because if be they win game. that, um, then they're they're then tied with Pittsburgh, and their next game is they go into Anaheim, which there's no way they would lose that game. So it really comes down to, and how how funny would that be though if they actually beat Vegas and tie it, but then they get upset by Anaheim? That would be. I almost see that as more likely than Vegas winning, like. This kind of stuff happens and just like chaos theory jumps in and is like, let's do something stupid. Like whenever something like this is happening, it's always it's the Coyotes, it's the Blue Jackets, it's the Ducks. It's these teams you don't expect just go out there and they just play an incredible shutdown game and they win 2-1. Yeah. And yeah, it, it'd be interesting to keep an eye on that, though. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. Um. I think we've what do we want to dive into next? We got we got a couple more things. Uh let's talk about the Lindholm trade. Let's do it. Yeah. The the biggest, yeah. We've kind of alluded to it before. Uh biggest trade of the season so far. Unless I think unless a Jake Gensel trade happens, this is probably the biggest trade we see this season. Um Yeah. And it, it's it happened like right before the All-Star game. Um the exact same as last year when Vancouver traded out Bo Horvat to the Islanders. And the first time we saw Bo Horvat in an Islanders jersey was during uh, the All-Star weekend. And tonight we we saw our first look of Elias Lindholm um, in a Vancouver Canucks jersey. He is going to be number 23. Um, 28 was not available to him. It is not officially retired within the organization. Um, but number 28 was the number that Luke Bourdon uh, wore with the Vancouver Canucks um, during his short tenure with them before he passed away. So it's kind of a a thing amongst the franchise that like it's not officially retired, but it's like nobody's um, nobody's going to wear uh, number 28 again in in his his memory. So uh, I, he will be number 20. Whenever that happens, I I always wish they would just retire the jersey number because like. Yeah. 
Because, like, I think we're at the point, nobody wants to see somebody else wear 28. And if that's the case, why not? Why not just retire it? You know, it doesn't. Yeah. You're not at that point. You're not even like taking a number away because nobody was going to wear it. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. It's like if, if no one's going to ever wear it again, you know, it just and, and if you're going to say it's to like honor's memory, just be like, you know what? It, we're we're retiring it and 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 have it retired then. I think if you're yeah. if you're going to be like, oh, it's, it's just within and it thing. fixes an easy like, issue. Like, yeah, I can, no I completely like agree. Um, um, do we want yeah, well, I mean, outline uh, everything that went back to Calgary in the trade? Yeah, I can. Uh, I can. Uh, it's pretty, pretty good return for Calgary. Not gonna lie. Um, so the Flames acquire Andre Kuzmenko, who um, was was the piece holding it up. Um, I was uh, listening on on the radio um, right when you know it kind of happened that uh, Elliot Friedman dropped the news that a, a deal could happen. All of a sudden, ten minutes later, it's like okay, there's there there's a trade. It, it's pretty much confirmed because they were already talking to Kuzmenko trying to get him. Um, they have, they were having his agent talk to him about waiving his, uh, his no trade clause. I think it was a 10 team, no trade clause, um, which Calgary was on it. So they didn't need him to waive it, which he ultimately did. So Andre Kuzmenko, Hunter Brusevich, Yoni Yermo, a 2024 first round pick and a conditional 2024 fourth round pick that will become a third round pick if the Canucks reach the Western Conference Finals. Uh, going to Calgary in exchange for Elias Lindholm to the Canucks. This has massive potential to be a huge win-win trade. This could, yeah. with, in five years, we could look back on this the same way we look back on the Tage Thompson trade. Yeah. Like, if Elias Lindholm could very well be the piece that pushes the Canucks over the edge and helps them win a Stanley Cup, or at least go on a cup run. And Calgary got a lot back here. A first-round pick. Uh, sorry, how do you pronounce that? Hunter Brusevich. Brusevich. Yeah, the, uh, I th- the Z is uh, silent. Yeah, oh, those those Zs uh, flanked by consonants always get me. Um He's looked really good, and he's only like nineteen. He, he's like one that. of the better defensive prospects within the league. Um, I was shocked he even dropped to the the third round. A lot of people thought he was going to be an early second round pick. Uh, some people thought he could even sneak in as a late first, potentially last year. Um, and then, yeah, like just been tearing it up in in the OHL. Yeah, and Kuzmenko, you know. Obviously, he scored more than normally would last year. He had an outrageous shooting percentage of like, what was it, like 29% or something? It was yeah. something really goofy. But And still within 124 games in the NHL, still 95 points. Like, Yeah, that's incredible. And was he playing on the first line to put those up? He, he was kind of bouncing around. I don't. I think he was kind of back and forth last year. This year, it's all all over the place. Obviously, found himself being a healthy scratch um, a couple times. And I don't think the Canucks necessarily were were like, man, we 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 need to move him, or it was like something they wanted to do. But again, when it comes down to they they had to move out because they were kind of right near the cap, so they needed to move out money to bring in Lindholm and Kuzmenko was kind of the guy that that fit the bill, and it's. 
Yeah. Um, Kuzmenko was making more than Lindholm this year, right? Like his cap hit yeah. bigger. Yeah, so about think, just about a little over half a million more. Yeah, so I I imagine that's the main reason why he's one of the guys who makes more that is expendable. Yeah. And I think I think he's a great pickup for Calgary. <laughs> I uh I saw a picture uh I can't remember who even tweeted. I think it was just some random uh Calgary fan on Twitter and, and he, he just posted a picture and said fucking fade me fam and it was uh, a picture of uh, who was it Goudreau Kachuk uh, Giordano uh, Monaghan and Lindholm all celebrating a goal on the ice yeah and that's that's the last of those five guys now and that was that was their core like not that long ago that was the guys going forward you know we know Gio yeah. was old but that uh, you kind of expected him to to retire with the Flames, not you expected you know, one of four those years guys later around long term, like yeah. just one of them. So the fact that all of those guys are gone is uh, <laughs> this is really a new era. New the new coach too, new GM. This is a new era of the Calgary Flames, and yeah, I'll be really interested to see how they do uh, next year going so, forward so th- when we en- when they enter officially the Dustin Wolf era. Yeah, it's also worth noting that, I mean, Kuzmanko, like, it's not like he lost his skill, you know. Um, I mean, his shooting percentage last year was obviously not something he was going to be able to maintain. But I think this is still a guy that can can easily be a, a 60 to 70 point guy per season. And if yeah. the Flames can build him back up to that, you know, next year at the trade deadline, you can offload him potentially if he gets back to that, that 60, 70 point, you could offload him for another first round pick. And then you're looking at for Lindholm, you got Brusevich, two first round picks, and then um, the other pieces, which I think at that point, like that's a home run for the Flames. And I, I think either way, when you look at it for the Canucks, it's it could be a win for them. You know, I think um, I think you can make the argument it's still a win for the Canucks, even if they make it to the Stanley Cup final and lose. Yeah. Um, I, if they win the Cup, it's obviously it, it's a win win. Yeah. Um, I don't believe uh and, and obviously as of right now it wasn't a you know the, the canucks acquire Lindholm and boom uh you know an extension form um i don't think there will be an extension i think this is purely a rental and it is a lot yeah. to give up for a rental i think that's why the canucks really need to at least get to the cup final um be, be I mean, and it also kind of helps him, you know, with a guy like Elias Pettersson. This is showing him that, you know, they're like, we're not going to, you know, keep retooling and doing this and this. Like, we're we're all in. We're we're committed to winning now. And I think that's something that could really, is going to play a big role in helping them uh, get him to resign. Um, yeah. But again, I, I don't see Lindholm resigning because... I mean, it sounds like as of when he was with the Flames, he was wanting nine million. Yeah. And the Canucks obviously can't afford that. Second of all, it looks really bad if they they dumped Bo Horvat last year, who, in my opinion, um, is a better all around player than Lindholm. I, I do think there's areas that Lindholm is better at than Horvat. But I think in terms of the player as a whole, um, not to mention Horvat was your captain. The fact that they weren't willing to give Bo Horvat his 
his eight to eight and a half that he wanted, um, they trade him out. And I think they got less for Horvat than they did for, for what they gave up for Lindholm. So yeah. if you're now going to give Lindholm a, a $9 million per year deal is uh, a bit, bit of a rough look. I think, uh, especially I think when they just can't with the current makeup. Like, they have to sign Pedersen. They got to extend mm-hmm. PD. Like, that's... Like, you can't... You can't use up the money for PD on Lindholm. You have to do Pedersen first. Like, yeah. that's... That is your future of the team. And... and you also got to look down the road. Like, Bessers yeah, is up next year. Sure. And, I mean, it looked like he was kind of going to kind of be exiled from Vancouver and shipped out, and now he's... I mean, he was always a fan favorite, but now the way he's playing, it's he's probably going to stick around. So you got to have money next year to 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 keep Besser around. So it's it's a lot to give up for a rental. But again, if if they if they bring home a cup out of it, it's it's a win regardless of of what they gave up. Yeah, and especially I, when it's to be their first Stanley Cup as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like that's. That getting that first cup is so massive. And I, it's really interesting. I doubt it'll happen. I love thinking about things like this that'll happen, but I doubt it. But uh, Lindholm would be a top five Calgary Flame of all time immediately if he went there, did well with the Canucks. They win the cup, they don't win the cup. And then he re-signs in Calgary in the offseason. Yeah. If he could you imagine him coming back to Calgary after that haul they just got? This that dude would instantly be like a top five flame of all time. People would love this man. And I don't like, think it's I'm out of the question. Back. Like it's not like Lentone was traded because he refused to sign there. Yeah, it was just it was just kind of Everyone realized it was kind of time. It wasn't quite working out, but it wasn't bad terms by any means. And, you know, if uh, maybe he is uh, over the next bit of the season, his uh, trade value goes down a bit or his uh, contract (laughs) value for his next one goes down a bit. Or maybe he does really well and the Flames organization sees maybe he is worth eight and a half, nine, and they bring him back. that would be a really cool story, I think, especially for a team that, you know, Canadian market has has so much difficulty keeping guys around a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. I I think that would just be so fun to see. One thing I will say on this is I don't think um, Lindholm will be in a Canucks jersey next season. That being said, I don't think it's out of the question that he signs with the Canucks because I still could see or because if he goes to, to free agency, he's a UFA. So the max he can sign is that seven-year deal. There's still a world where the Canucks could sign Lindholm to whatever that, the nine million he wants for eight years. And if they've already talked to a team beforehand that's comfortable with that contract, kind of similar to um, what the Flames did with Matthew Kachuk. I mean, he he was an RFA, but... It, still within the circumstances of the Canucks could sign Lindholm to, to an eight year yeah. deal and then trade him to whatever team he wants to go to in a team that's, you know, like, yeah, we're good with that contract. We're good with, with giving up this, like there's still a world where the Canucks could sign Lindholm and then get some assets back 
um, for him. Is that likely? Probably not, because I think teams would rather just get into a bidding war for him on the open market rather than having to give out, you know, a, a good prospect and a first to get him or or whatever it may be. Um, but it, it's something that's it's not completely out of the question. Yeah, and especially because uh, he's not young. He's 20, 29 years old at this point. So I don't think other teams will care that much about the eighth year. If anything, they probably don't want that eighth year. They want it to be a seven-year contract uh, because that's one less year that you'd have Lindholm at the end of the contract when he's probably not performing up to that nine million at that point. Yeah, the, the eighth year is, is, is just for, for Lindholm as a player just to secure that extra money. And then in yeah. doing so, it would it would give the team the opportunity to get him rather than getting into a bidding war and the price driving up on the open market. You can just know that that you're getting him already and you're not um, having to get in that bidding war. But at that cost, you you're giving up, um, you know, certain pieces to, to to acquire him to begin with. So will it happen? Probably not. But I, it's not 100 percent out of uh, out of the, the, the question. But I, I like this return for Calgary. Yeah. Um, I think within this draft, I think even just getting that second first round pick, which again is probably going to be a late round pick, um, especially just with where the Canucks are going to finish. Even if they go out in the first round, it's still going to be a, a, a 22-23 pick. Um, but at the end of the day, if you're getting a one of the best offensive prospects in hockey right now, and a first-round pick in Kuzmenko, who um, is still going to be a, a great piece for the Flames, and they could potentially flip. Like, and then yeah. not to mention Yermo, That's I think is probably a, at best he's going to be a bottom pair defenseman. Which, if if you can still get a bottom pair defenseman that can, you know, play good on the penalty kill or or log heavy minutes when need be, it is awesome. And a potential third-round pick, you 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 could get a steal with that. Like yeah, that's... we've seen guys like Braden Point, uh, Ilias Rokin go in the third round, like, um, and then we've seen other great players go in the fourth round. It's they really got to do their due diligence now, knowing that you know this first round pick is going to be twenty second to thirty second. Let's start really locking in on those players who can can fall within that range, similar to what San Jose did last year. When they got that first from New Jersey, they knew, you know, it's going to be from here to here. Let's lock in on the players that are going to be in here. So when it comes our pick, based on who's available, we, we can get the best player we can, which I think, based on what was available there for them, I think they did. So I think that's uh, Calgary's next mission now is is really utilizing that first round pick to to get the best prospect they can. Yeah. Um, do you know how long Andres Kuzmenko's contract goes for? It's up after next season, which if he plays good, he can easily be, be moved at next year's deadline. Yeah. Or he could sign an extension and stick yeah. around in Calgary. So if, if they can wow him, cause remember he, he was Calgary was on his no, his no trade list. So That's I, I don't think he's thrilled about going there, but. Um, you have to wonder if uh, Vancouver would have been on his no trade list if the roles were reversed, because a lot of guys just go, uh, yeah, all all the Canadian teams and then pick the remaining two. So, 
Yeah, yeah, it's 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 interesting. It, it would be interesting to know kind of what teams are on there and uh, what the criteria is. But there there's so many different uh, different things that it could be. Um, do we have much more than the All Star? Do we have anything other than the All Star teams? Um, we do. We we can kind of do a little bit. Um, again, come come this Monday, we're we're gonna do an episode and kind of talk more about it once we have. Yeah everything out there but we can confirm now that the uh the five players that were mentioned previously that being alex formanton carter hart dylan dubay cal foot and michael mcleod um are the five players that were asked to surrender um in terms of the ongoing investigation um so there, there's not much like we know um all all of their lawyers have come out and made statements saying that uh they're they're gonna plead not guilty. Um I can't remember which player it was, but their lawyers stated that they're going to fight to um against these false allegations, which is a, a pretty strong claim to make. Yeah, that's that's a um, lot. But and and it sounds like a trial won't take place until at least 2026. So we're we're two years away from a trial even happening for this. Um. So I mean, again, there, there's a lot more to the story. We'll kind of get more more news on it as of Monday. Yeah. So um, we might, uh, depending on when that happens in the day, we might do a a Monday night podcast and upload that on the Tuesday uh, if there's if there's enough there, but uh, yeah, at the, at the minimum by next Friday, we'll have uh, some sort of coverage on that with whatever they announce uh, with that whole case going forward. Yeah. Um, it's also, this actually also just came out today. Um, and again, take, take from this, what you will, this is all kind of speculation, but Michael McLeod is, facing an additional charge um, for being a party to the offense, which kind of all roads are leading to. He was the, the original one involved who then um, uh, invited the rest of the players to in and, and, uh, you know, kind of right. was, was in the middle of it. Um, so that's also kind of something to, to keep an eye on. We kind of thought that was going to be something that probably comes out when the trial happens, but to now have it come out even before the press conference shows that, you know, they're really um, trying to be as transparent as possible with all of this and not leaving anything um, up for speculation or to the last minute. It's they're They're trying to do right by, is, by the victim here. Oh, for yeah. sure. Um, um, one, before we hop into just talking a little briefly about the all-star game. This is one of my favorite times of the year um, where the athletic, which is kind of one of the biggest um, sources of hockey news with a lot of the best writers every year, they do a player poll where they, um, they gather a bunch of players around the league and it's, it's all done anonymously and they pull the players um, uh, on a variety of questions. So I'm going to, I just want to yeah. kind of get your opinion. I'm going to kind of go through, um, a couple of these, I'm only going to do kind of the top, the top three, unless there's like one that really, um, that, that really stands out from the rest. So I just yeah. kind of want to get I, your, 
I've your reaction seen like to these. one or two of these. I have no idea how many they did. Um, I was really wishing I had an athletic subscription when this was ha- uh, all coming out because they also, you know, it's anonymous, but they still get a bunch of quotes from guys and some of them were really good. And uh, yeah, I wasn't able to see too much of it without that subscription. So uh, I know you do have one or at least you had in the past. So yeah, it'd be good to get some of that. Um, so the first one is kind of the big one. Who's the best player in the league? They had 181 votes. Obviously, McDavid was first. Only 69%. Interesting. Um, Nathan McKinnon was second with 16%. And in third was Nikita Kucherov with 7.18%. Which, and again, take take not, with this what you will because Makes sense. There, obviously, there obviously is bias. Um, Philip Forsberg did receive a vote, which... We obviously know he's not the best player in the league. So, like, there obviously is um, some biases when it yeah, comes to Whenever this. these happen, uh, you know, they'll do... Uh, in in years past, they, they've they done... Uh, I don't know if it was the Athletics specifically, but there's, like, the player votes for um, best goalie in the league. And, you know, Vassy receives uh, 55. Uh, Shesterkin receives 20. Uh, Hellebuck, 20. And then there's, like, at the bottom, there's, you know, Mike Smith received one vote. Uh, you know, like all these backups and like just barely starters for other teams are all getting one vote, probably from their goalie tandem partner or something. Yeah. So, well, well that this kind of goes into it because this is interesting. Um, the next one is best goalie in the league, 183 votes. Uh, Andre Vasilevsky being at the top with 44 percent. Yeah. Connor Hellebuck in second with 15. And then tied for third is Thatcher Demko and Ilya Sorokin, um, just a little bit over seven and a half. Um, and out of those 183 votes, again, like this, this is why they don't. This doesn't mean a whole lot. One player actually did vote for um, Carey Price because he <laughs> technically isn't retired. So uh, Carey Price did get um, did get a vote in that. <laughs> That's kind of funny. You have to wonder, is that is that a guy on the Canadians or is that like uh, uh, exactly right? A guy who's known him for a long time, you know, a, a Crosby or something. Yeah. Um, next one is the most underrated player in the league with 168 votes. Um, oh, number number two was Alexander Barkov with 12 and a half. He didn't win it. OK, we're three. Somewhere. Well, kind of. Um, three was Sam Reinhardt with just a little bit under 6%. And then first was other, which is because there was just so many, um, players that, that kind of received, uh, one vote that like they, they all kind of received one. So it was just a a hodgepodge with 22%. So unanimously Barkov did get the most. Um, but there were so many other guys that, that received, uh, votes that Barkov wasn't the the top i guess if, if that's how you will yeah. at this point i think barkov's overrated just because of how many people think he's underrated we yeah, all like know it's five he's years super... now it's we five years he's been no he's that a role. superstar you know yeah like he's he's fantastic most people have him in their top 10 centers in the league and i don't know if he's at that point so maybe that's me un underrating him but that's you know 
or maybe that's uh, everyone having him a bit too high because they don't want him to be underrated. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, next is the most overrated player in the league with 101 votes. That's very um, interesting. So, th- so the top one is obviously other, um, being just under 27% of the votes. Of course. The top single player was Trevor Zegers, um, at just a little bit under 13%. Uh, next is Darnell Nurse, um, a little bit under 8%. And then tied under them is Matthew Kachuk and Jason Robertson at just a little bit under 7%. Very um, interesting coming from the players in the league saying yeah. that guys like Robertson and Kachuk are overrated. That's very interesting. You know, And again, I many, think Darnell Nurse guys is in the only there. Because of his contract. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was as soon as you Even said you him. Knew. Next, I was expecting you to say Seth Jones. Like he he did. Seth Jones is is also on there. He received two uh, percent of votes. Him, yeah. Jacob Truba, and Evander Kane. Pretty pretty good votes, honestly. I um, I, I heavily disagree on Zegris. I think a very few. I think uh, they want to market him, and so. A lot of, you know, the analysts talk about him a lot. And that's why people think he's overrated. Nobody talks about him like he's absolutely insane game-breaking player yet. Yeah, he but, gets marketed for his personality. Like, yeah. And, and I don't think players realize that. Yeah, He scored over 70 points twice on his ELC. Like, he's not yeah. bad. <laughs> like, on a abysmal Ducks team, no less, so... He, uh, I definitely think he's been done dirty a little bit by social media. Uh, he got pushed really hard and then, you know, he's not a game breaker immediately. So people are saying, oh, he's not, he's not worth money, but he's going to be really good. And he is really good already. So we'll, uh, we'll just have to see him beat those allegations when he can. Yeah. Um, I need to quickly fix something here. Do you want to do just as of right now, is the all-star break, the current uh, stats leaders here. I sure And then I'll, I'll hop into the, uh, the the next one here. I just got to fix something quickly. You're good yeah. to roll through the the stats leaders on where we're at at the all-star break right now because all games are done. So these are the official official numbers. Yep. So we do have uh, officially in first at the break. Back on top, they've been trading back and forth like crazy. Number one for points in the league, we got Nikita Kucherov at 85. Uh, and number two, uh, the guy right by him for the last 20 points at least, Nathan McKinnon at 84. And then down 12 points below that, we got David Posternock at 72. Uh, quite a gap between those first two and Posternock. And honestly, a decent gap between Posternock and four. So uh, they've really separated at the top there. Uh, Connor McDavid is in fifth with 67 for those who, uh, who are wondering. So uh, 18 points back of Nikita Kucherov at the all-star break. We'll see if he can catch him. A lot of people think it's going to happen. It's McDavid. He obviously could, but he uh, they're on a 16 game win streak and he hasn't closed that much ground yet. Uh, no fault of his own. Kucherov and McKinnon have been both scoring at like two and a half points per game over the last 10 games. They're playing out of their minds. Um, going to goal leaders here. 
we got uh, Austin Matthews, of course, in first with 40 goals on the season at the All-Star break. 40 goals in 46 games is unreal. Uh, in second, we got uh, Sam Reinhart with 37. And in third, we have David Posternock with 33. And for goalies, uh, for saves, goals saved above expected, a uh, bit of a more advanced stat. We got uh, 22.1 goals saved above expected for Connor Hellebuck, 18 goals saved above expected for Thatcher Demko, and 14 and a half goals saved above expected for Connor Ingram. Uh, three guys who look like they're they have a very good shot to all be the Vesna finalists this year. Uh, it might go, you know, somewhat like a Jeremy Swayman, uh, who's at 13.8 goals saved above expected instead of Ingram. But I think Dem Demko and Hellebuck are locks for the Vesna finalists, at least. As they should be. Yeah. I am just going to sort by this to make sure make sure you get the top ones which one are you are you looking at here there we go uh i i i just did most of the uh regular ones we do i just wanted to talk about it because as of uh late every time i've checked he's been number one uh he's dropped down to number four right now so he might have not had a great game uh, as of late, maybe the last game there. Um, but basically, all of January, Andre Vasilevsky has been number one in the league for uh, high danger shots uh, saved above expected. Oh, yeah. Is, you know, uh, incredibly specific stat. But it uh, watching Tampa Bay, obviously, every game, it it makes so much sense. You know, they, you know, they rely on him to save fucking four or five breakaways, two on ones a game. So yeah, it, uh, that's, that's where he earns the money. Even if, you know, the, the save percentage, the goals against average doesn't always reflect it. He's still saving those important shots. Yeah. But that's just my Homer stat. Uh, we got, uh, those are all, the stats uh, at the All-Star break. Um, and before we get into the All-Star teams, uh, to wrap it up here, uh, I just got real quick that uh, the Vancouver Canucks, uh, one or two days ago, actually signed a multi-year contract extension with uh, general manager Patrick Alvin. Yeah. I, don't I believe that, that, came out, that came out the same day of the, the Lindholm trade. Yeah. They... Um, Deserved. I mean, he's made great moves in the past few years. Um, I've uh, I've looked a couple spots and I haven't found how many years it is. I don't know if they announced the length of the deal, but everywhere I look, it says just says multi-year contract. So I guess we can only speculate that it's you know two plus years, probably three or I, four. I, I believe I heard three. I'm not a harm sure, but I saw that people were were saying three. Three is the most common for. For general managers, I'm pretty sure. So that would make sense. Yeah. 
Um, before we hop into the all-star, the final one of these uh, these player polls that we'll go through from The Athletic is kind of everybody's favorite one. Um, who is the player in the league whose face you want to punch the most? This one oh. got 100, 147 votes. Um, Did he? I think there's one guy that everyone is going to assume is going to win this. I think he gets upset this year. Who do you think wins? I think and who do you Nick, think upsets him? I think Nick Cousins has done so much dirty shit this year. I think the players are getting sick of it. I think you can see it when he's on the ice. I think he, I think there's a good chance he beat out Brad Marchand, who I am assuming is at minimum second. Brad Marchand is third. Wow. He, 15% of votes. Okay. Um, number two is again, other, which is a, a, a uh-huh. bunch of players. Um, some of the likes that include Darno nurse, uh, Brendan Gallagher, Eric Branson, Liam O'Brien, uh, Mason Marchment, Rasmus Dahlin is actually on there. Uh, Roman Yossi, Tim Stutzel, who Roman I think Yossi. I think wait till next year. I think Stutzel is going to be quite a bit higher. I think he's another guy that um, players are starting to get sick of because of his constant diving. Um, Matthew Kachuk is fourth with seven and a half percent. And then just underneath Kachuk tied is Michael Bunting and Connor Garland at a bit over four percent. And then, as you said, Nick Cousins is number one. He is um, number one. Okay. With, with 28.5% of votes. Tom and Wilson actually well is only one, uh, 1.36%, which puts him in the criteria of tying with Trevor Zegris, Rasmus Anderson, Radko Gudis, Nikita Zadorov, Evander Kane, and David Perron. That's so funny. All those guys are in there on that list for a very similar reason of they're they're shit disturbers and then zegris is on there for like the opposite reason of like he just like he does kind of have a face you'd want to punch and he just i can i can see off too much yeah um just to list off the other ones because might as well have kind of done the whole list at three and a half percent is uh garnet hathaway and brady kachuk and then four players are tied at two percent that being ryan lomberg Nazem Kadri, Kevin Fiala, and Jeff Skinner, which Jeff Skinner's, I, again, I think Fiala and Skinner kind of two of those guys that uh, don't like to mix it up, but they do kind of mouth off a bit from, from certain games that I've seen. Um, they like to kind of get in there and then uh, mix, and then mix the pot up. Yeah. And then they, they get out of there and uh, just laugh it off and keep chirping, but won't ever um, face the music for it. But yeah, I mean, Nick Cousins is, the, the clear runaway favorite for it. Um, which again, I mean, that, that's, that says a lot about how players are, uh, are feeling. Yeah. And it, it makes all too much sense. Like we were, there is a good couple weeks in a row there where every week he had done something dirty and new and we were just sick of covering it because just, just stop attempting to injure people for a week. Like, Yeah. So it, I'm, I'm glad to see that the players seem to agree with that sentiment. Um, the last one, I'm not going to do the full stats, but I'm going to give you the chance because I'm pretty sure you can guess number one for each of these. Okay. Um, they, they pulled the players on their favorite road city to play in and their least favorite city uh, to go to and play. I'm pretty sure you can guess what, what number one will be for, for each of them. Okay. They're pretty, pretty easy to, I to think guess. W- 
I think one is harder than the other. I think the least favorite place to play has to be Winnipeg. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. are correct. Yeah. I'm for, for obvious reasons. Is so I assume there's quite a few ca- Canadian teams. How high is Carolina on there? For least favorite? Yes. Um they are number 4. Number 1 is Winnipeg, then Ottawa, Buffalo, then Carolina and then Wow, they're um, that high up. Phoenix or Tempe. Yeah, they're even worse than Tempe. I just know <laughs> almost every time I see, you know, any team thing you know with whether it's tampa or just players around the league and they're like who has the worst locker rooms in the league so many people say carolina apparently it just like their away locker room sucks so much ass i can't imagine it's worse than what what tempe has (laughs) no probably not but uh but yeah i've heard carolina's is is quite bad yeah yeah so i was just curious on that uh, for the best team to visit and play, I got to imagine it's the Rangers. It's a, it's a two horse race. There, there's number one and the number two is not far behind. I'm I'm going to assume the Rangers are up there because New York playing in Madison Square Garden, that's got to be big. New York is second, and you that does just include um, Madison Square Garden. That that does include Long Island or New Jersey. Like that's just that's going to play the Rangers. Oh, it's a favorite away arena, not like place to visit. Well, favorite road city to play in. Okay. I got to imagine Vegas is right up yeah. there then. V- Vegas is number one with uh, 25% of the votes and least favorite Winnipeg was 41. So Winnipeg's the clear uh, the clear cut favorite for least. And then it's kind of a, a two horse race between Vegas and uh, New York for favorite, which is cool to see. It's, it's always cool to see kind of what the players uh, think around the league. You almost have to wonder at a certain point, and I have no idea what their uh, record is, but do you wonder if that almost takes away a little bit of your home field advantage? That, like, like for a team like Vegas, like, guys love coming here and playing in your arena. Well, exactly, like, right? Does that, does that gas them up? Does that take away a little bit of that advantage compared to, compared to oh, fuck, I'm going to play in Winnipeg? Like and Winnipeg, like let's let's not act like Winnipeg's a a bad series or anything. Like I think it's number no. one just because of of how cold it is, and players have that's the main thing. openly openly stated that they just hate going there and having to pack their their entire snowsuit uh, for when they get off the the plane and bus there. Yeah, well, especially when hockey season is like it starts in October yeah. when it's get it starts getting pretty cold and it ends uh, the regular season at least. Uh, early April, which is just the end of the winter season. So if you're going yeah, to play Canada, win- you could have a Winnipeg snow all home game round. in January, you got to bundle up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Those are um, those are really good. Those are really interesting lists. I yeah. love when they when they uh, pull all the players like that and they do stuff like that. That's that's a lot of fun to know what they think. Yeah, and and if and if I I haven't fully gone through it, but if I'll go in at a later date and kind of see and see if I can find some of the best quotes from some, and I'll uh, I'll bring them to the table next time we can we can go through some of those because I'm assuming uh, come next episode we won't have a whole lot um, to discuss because a lot of teams aren't uh, like some teams don't play for for like two weeks now, so yeah. we won't we won't have a lot of uh, stuff to talk about for next 
um, Friday's episode. So I'll, I'll try to come to the table with some of those that we can uh, we can look at and, and discuss a bit. Absolutely, those are those are a lot of fun. Um, do we want to do we want to list off the All Star teams? Yeah, like 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 we said, there's there's not much to discuss with the All Star um, weekend, but we we can kind of go through um, through the teams now that now that we know um, what they are now that the rosters are are finalized. Yeah, they did the draft. I love the very specific brand of Riz that all four celebrity captains brought. Justin Bieber yeah. did his thing. He was having a blast, but he was he was sitting down on stage. He was making jokes with Matthews the whole time. Uh, Michael Bublé actually has way more charisma than I would have. Do thought. I know why? Do I know why? Like, dude has kind of riz. Why is that? Yeah, he he was high on shrooms for it. <laughs> was he? Yeah, he 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 he. He had to do an interview afterwards, a press conference, and his buddy told him it was a micro dose, and it very clearly wasn't. That's why when he was trying to do one of his speeches, he he completely lost his train of thought three times. Yeah, he was uh he was having some good times on. Uh, he, he didn't look that out of place it. with it, though. Honestly, like I like I it came across as nervous more than this guy's tweaking or anything. So you know, he didn't yeah. do a horrible job with it. He, he he seemed to have fun, and it made it more fun for other people. Yeah. But uh, Tate McRae clearly just like loves the NHL and was excited to be there, which yeah, is just loves hockey and, and everything. So sorely needed in the NHL. And the amount of times they've had celebrity guests that couldn't give less of a shit. Like, I if you're too happy to the point where it's cringe, that's a million times better than the guy who just doesn't care to be there because that just devalues the league. Like that just looks yeah. so bad. And you could see how happy she was when she got to be like, you know what? She, she kind of, so it, it almost looked like she stiff armed. Uh, McKinnon McCarm was like, no, we're making this pick. And she got to, cause she's uh, from the Calgary area, huge flames fan. And she got to, even though he's not on the team anymore, um, she was able to draft one of her favorite players in Lindholm, which uh, you could tell was also a really cool moment moment yeah, for first her. To time be we've to seen that. him in a, Canucks jersey. He was wearing it there. Yeah. yeah the so only Canuck was... not on uh not on team uh Hughes and, and Buble as well. Yeah. And Will Arnett, you know, one of the only guys yeah. Will Arnett, honestly, he shouldn't have been one of the celebrity captains. He should have been the guy putting this on. They need to get people who know how to broadcast and perform to be the MCs of these things. They keep getting analysts to do it, and it's just this weird hockey stat guy who he didn't do a horrible job but like it could have been a lot better yeah i think i think the whole thing is a whole first of all i think it needed to be an hour and a half like them uh trying to cram stuff in um i didn't like and the other thing i didn't like honestly i didn't like how they did the end like you've got the four players at the end it's like oh you each get a card and like no if you're gonna do it do the one player gets picked last, but they get a car. Like, don't, you know, these these are NHL players making millions of dollars. Like, you don't, I just don't yeah. like that at the end. It's like, oh, you each get a card and and, and that's just what team you get thrown on. Like, yeah. it should be. Just have them, just have them pick the last four players. Like, what's wrong with yeah. that? Exactly. One guy gets picked last. Oh, no, he's the worst all-star in the NHL. Like, he still went to the all-star game. Yeah. Like. And you get a car out of it. Like. Well, you, you you would have if if they had done it this way, but they chose That'd to take cool it a different too. route. That would be so funny to see a guy dejected to get picked second last because he wanted the car. Yeah, right. But 
Uh, overall, I think they did. I think they made great choices with the celebrity captains. I think they had a lot of fun with it. Um, I think a lot like of the guys about, had a bit more their personality off. than we've seen. Definitely yeah. need to turn the mics off. You could actually hear at one point, uh, they were uh, Arnett, McDavid, and Dreisaitl were talking about their next pick. And Dreisaitl, just like for everyone to hear, was just like, guys, let's mute our mics. And I was like, yeah. Why do they have control over that? Shouldn't it be a guy in an audio room cutting the audio to certain mics and then turning it on when they speak? Yeah, it should just like, be whatever team's making their pick. Like, like instead they gave them Xbox headsets where they can mute it whenever. Like, uh, a little more production value is almost always needed with the NHL, and it's too bad because yeah, it's, there's clearly people trying, and there's clearly people who went behind the scenes who aren't willing to put quite a bit of enough money into it but yeah it was it was fun to watch nonetheless it didn't drag on it was it was good another thing i'm i'm not a huge fan of and i know maybe fans of these teams might i didn't like how at the end of it we see all basically all the canucks players go to the same team and all the maple Leafs go to the same team because now it's like i would have liked to see you know austin matthews play with like barzell or something but now we know when Matthews goes out there, he's probably going to be with, you know, Nylander and Riley or Marner and, and Riley. And then with yeah. the Canucks, we're going to see Pedersen, Besser and Hughes. Like, I want to see these players play with with different guys. I don't want to just see them go into the All-Star game and just play with the same players that they always play with. Um, I I definitely understand that sentiment because that is an incredibly fair assessment. But at the same time, I... Maybe it's just because it's NHL players showing personality and we don't get that much. We're starved for it as NHL fans. But it was it was cool to see about be up there. And every time it got back to his pick, Matthews and Mar and uh Riley were so excited because they're like, another leaf came back to us. So they they pick all their buddies and it's I Yeah, I definitely from think that, from that more perspective. of the I definitely think more of the problem is just how many Leafs and how many Canucks went. Is, was a bit overkill. Well, yeah, the, the Canucks set set the the record for most representatives, and I think they even had that before uh, Lindholm was traded and is is now technically a, a, a Canuck representative. Instead I really of Calgary, think, I think they already set as the a Flames representative because he's going for the Flames. Because if he was on the Canucks when they picked him, he wouldn't be going. Yeah. Yeah, but no, yeah, yeah, he, he is going as a splitting hairs. The Flames represented about the All Star game. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I mean, overall, like it, it's fun. I'm glad they brought back the idea of of doing this. Um, better production, I think, is something they 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 could have done. Uh, afterwards, they did do the the three on three um, of the the PWHL, the three on three game, which I thought that was awesome. I think that's a great addition. Yeah. Um, to it, I and I hope that is something that they continue um to do each and every year because i think it just adds a little extra more fun and can continue to showcase what uh what this other league is all about like it's it's a new and growing league and i think every um little bit that that can be used to help elevate this league and push it and bring in more fans i think is uh is also awesome of, of them to do that yeah a hundred percent like them they, I'm glad they've continued to partner with them 
uh, as they did with a couple of them before it was actually the P- before it was the PWHL. They just had professional <laughs> women's players at last year's All Star competition, and that was fun to see. Yeah, um, but I mean, overall, I I think it's it's going to be interesting to see how the new uh, skills competition, um, you know, take takes place. Uh, the All Star game, I think we kind of know what what that's going to be. It's going to kind of be this, the you know. The same old, same old, but I'm, I'm curious to see how this new uh, skills competition goes that, that they're doing. Yeah. Um, do we each want to pick two teams and just run down the roster for them real quick? Yeah, we, we can uh, we can do that. Uh, I just got to pull it up here, so take your pick of, of which team you want to do, and we'll, we'll start. Uh, where is... Where is I'll, uh, let's, do, let's do Team Hughes first. Uh, so uh, that was the one with Celebrity Captain Michael Buble. And the one team that had two co-captains instead of a captain and an assistant, uh, one of them's not playing. Uh, co-captains Quinn Hughes and Jack Hughes. Jack Hughes is injured right now, so he won't be playing. Yeah. Um, so they kind of moved their assistant captain to Elias Pedersen. Uh, they had the first overall pick, which they used to take Nikita Kucherov. Uh, then they took Thatcher Demko, Kyle Connor, Brady Kachuk, uh Jack Hughes buddy Jesper Brat, Cam Talbot, uh Brock Besser, JT Miller, so like four Canucks on the roster. Actually five. Yeah, five. And Frank Vetrano. Yeah. Which which I mean, you can say about all the teams, but that's a pretty good team. Again, I would have liked to see the Canucks players dispersed a bit more, but if you're a Canucks fan, you you probably love yeah. seeing them all together still. They, um, they definitely gave more of a chance for that to happen than Matthews. Like Matthews immediately picked uh, Nylander and then Marner. But, you yeah. know, they still went like Jack Hughes clearly wanted Brott and Quinn Hughes and Pedersen clearly wanted uh, Besser and Miller and Demko. But they yeah. still picked Kucherov first and then they went Demko and then Kyle Connor, Brady Kachuk before they picked any of their guys after that. So they at least yeah. split it up a bit. Yeah. Before eventually being like, okay, well, if they're still there. Um, the next team, uh, Team McDavid with, uh, like we mentioned, celebrity um, captain uh, Will Arnett and then assistant captain Leon Dreisaitl. Um, and this is the order within they did their picks. Uh, Connor Hellebuck, David Pasternak, Rasmus Dahlin, Robert Thomas, Sam Reinhardt, as McDavid calls him, Sam Bobrovsky. <laughs> uh, Boone Jenner, Nick Suzuki, and then Thomas Hurdle uh, as as their their card player, as I guess we'll we'll call them. Yeah, I uh, I respect that he didn't get too flustered. McDavid recovered pretty good from that little flub. He called him Sam Bobrovsky, and very quickly was uh, said, "Sorry, Sergey Bobrovsky." And, yeah, because you, know, you know if he, if he didn't say anything, uh, hashtag Sam Bobrovsky would have been trending in Canada, right? Yeah, like, yeah. You you just gotta you just gotta take it on the chin and oops, sorry, and fix the mistake. And he did a pretty good job of recovering there. Yeah, I thought it was very funny that after the uh, they had uh, they were at the end of the snake draft, so they picked uh, fourth and then fifth. So they got Hellebuck and Pasternak, and then when it came back around, they went Darlene and Thomas. And after 
at that point they went to commercial break and when they came back the guy interviewed him and he was like you guys got a lot of offensive firepower are you going to pick up any any guys to help you out on the back end and i was thinking they're four picks in and they've got connor hellebuck and rasmus Dahlin. like like how yeah and like are there any other defensemen that went that weren't captains like McCarr well, was an assistant like uh quinn, quinn hughes, hughes. And Morgan Riley, yeah, Darlene was the only. Um, he was the only. The, the only he was the only defenseman. Defense. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Was, so I, I don't think they did their homework. Uh, too I, well I thought it was funny that. when the when the dude asked that because I was like, they picked the first goalie out of everybody, and then and the only they, defenseman. They only defenseman, like, yeah, they've got good offense, but like, they've probably got the best defense. Yeah. Um. And Take then we got, you got two teams. Team, we got Team Matthews uh, with celebrity captain Justin Bieber and assistant captain Morgan Riley. Uh, so AM34 and Morgan Riley picking their buddies uh, Nylander first and then Mitch Marner. And I, I thought it was funny that he just kept picking his buddies after that. Uh, after that, Jake Ottinger, Clayton Keller, who played... Uh, minor hockey or junior hockey with Austin Matthews, uh, Matthew Barzell, Igor Shesterkin, Philip Forsberg, Alex Dabrinkit, and Vinny Trocek. Yeah. That's yeah. You, was... you, you could just tell, like you could tell the mixed reaction when Matthews talked about Arizona and then picked Clayton Keller. You yeah. could hear like that little, little mixed reaction, which uh, I enjoyed. I think um, just because of the the rumors that he would go to Arizona. Yeah, but the I, fact he's, he's, he's locked in now, like it's yeah. I think that's why I could get away with it. Um, and then the last team, Team uh, McKinnon, um, which consisted of Tate McRae as their celebrity captain, and then assistant captain Kale McCarr. Um, first pick was used on Sidney Crosby, who wasn't there, but you can obviously tell that McKinnon's excited to to play with Crosby in this. And again, this is why I love it this format is because now we can actually see um, uh, McKinnon and, and Crosby play together. Um, yeah. Their second pick was people were shocked by, but again, it's only because he's on their team. Uh, they took Alex Georgiev and then Kirill Kaprizov, <laughs> Sebastian Ajo, Tom Wilson, Jeremy Swayman, Travis Konechny, Elias Lindholm, and then their last pick being Oliver Bjorkstrand. They got some grit there with... Uh, with Wilson and Konechny. Um, one thing I will say about this team specifically, I'm calling them the no frills team. Um, because I mean, the yellow is identical to the yellow no frills uses. And then just that name bar on the back, all lowercase letters in that weird black box. It looks such like a, the no name brand from no frills. Um, Dude, the jersey logo, it looks like a it looks like what should be on the box of a fucking Hardee's burger, a Carl's Jr. Yeah. Like the the star, like I know some people like them and it's definitely good that some people do, but I I think they look so weird between the all lowercase text for the names and the Yeah, the, lo and the logo just the on the front, it just looks it just looks weird to me. I think the the most odd thing is it's just that the the name of the players underneath the number that too and then, yeah you like you couldn't even have it any capitals it's it's just it looks a little weird uh especially just the for team it's mckinnon unique. the yellow it's it unique. just reminds me that. of 
it just reminds me of no frills but yeah they, yeah. they are they are very unique I, I will give them i will give them that for sure yep uh crosby was the only one who wasn't there uh tonight that yeah will be there for the all-star game but he he had a stand-in i don't know if they announced really who it was but it was some kid wearing a crosby jersey yeah i'm not i'm not quite sure who who that was but but uh um, yeah that was cool kid uh kid could skate yeah they, he, he they actually could pretty well they announced that he was going to be there for to take crosby's place kid jumps off the off the bench does a crossover and skates over in between the benches like weaves right in and sits down like dude he was ready for that moment he looked like uh any other nhl player getting called to come out and sit down so yeah and it's cool he got to sit on the bench as well with the the players as well yeah i don't know if he did for the entirety but at the beginning at least he he was so that's gotta be a cool moment for for him um but i think that kind of wraps up everything we had for this episode um obviously you know depending on on how much news we get on monday um we might come at you with a special um episode sometime early next week to kind of talk about that uh news press conference um again a lot of it really just depends on what we get like if it's just you know what we know at this point probably not but if there's a lot more kind of stuff that comes out um we'll probably hop on and sit down and uh, break down what any new information we get um obviously at some point next week we'll we'll discuss the results of the the all-star weekend uh you know winner of the new skills competition uh who wins the all-star weekend uh, mvp all that kind of uh fun stuff as well yeah i'm i'm hoping that they really they really bring something special to these uh all-star competitions and they're uh they're not doing it like before where every all-star would do at least one event. They've only got 12 guys out of the ones we've listed who are actually yeah. doing the events. And it's weird. So some of them, you know, like fastest skater has one, two, three, they got five guys doing it. Uh, yeah. Hardest shot has five guys and some of them have a bit more, but one that I thought was weird was I believe it was the passing challenge had 11. Mm-hmm. They had one of those 12 guys not do it and that's it uh yeah jt miller i believe nope He's miller is a pretty it. good passer but yeah it, it is interesting the way that they're doing it so i'm curious to see how because you need to again like it's guys get eliminated and some move on to the next round so it'll be interesting to see how how it kind of works out like you know if is, is there guys that t- take place in more and that gives them an advantage or is there a way to kind of compensate for that it'll be interesting to see how they i'm trying to quickly count like just like pick a few players and see how many times they participate to see if some because it who they if you win you get a certain amount of points based on your placement and the winner at the end gets a million dollars so it'd be messed up if mcdavid goes eight times and you know uh jt miller or somebody only goes five right like you're already against mcdavid you now you got to try and beat the numbers too so yeah yeah it's it's gonna be interesting to see how how that all plays out and if it if it works out into into a format that um will be used in future years or maybe it's it's a one-off here like maybe this doesn't work out uh you know it's it's gonna be a big moment so it'll be interesting to see how they uh how they make it work here uh i've just picked random players uh 
Quinn Hughes, McDavid, and Kucherov. But it looks like they all... I just counted all three of their, them, and they are in all but two of all of the things. So maybe they are all uh, in an equal amount. Oh, okay. So, and, and that's what I would assume would be the yeah. case with it. It just... It looked very funny originally looking at the numbers and going... Uh, you have 11 out of 12 in the passing challenge, like rip, yeah, uh, all, all rip but one guy. Oh, is he the one who's not in it? Yeah. Yeah. He's a shooter anyways. So yeah, at least that one like makes sense. You know, at least they didn't, you know, leave, uh, guys out of ones that they should be in. Cause it looks like for the most part, you know, uh, McDavid, Hughes, McCarr, Barzell, and Nylander for fastest skater. That all makes so much sense, you know? Yeah. Like. Uh, a lot of the guys, it looks like they put them in the proper category, which that seems like a no-brainer. That almost seems like a dumb thing to say, but they haven't done it in years past. So, yeah. It's it's nice to see them actually putting a little emphasis on that. The only person I can see out of place in any of these is, uh, I don't think Barzell takes that many one-timers. Yeah. I don't but, actually, but he kind of started to. Working, working the numbers, you gotta, you gotta put him in somewhere, right? If you yeah. Want to take him out of other ones, like, because they're not putting him in hardest shot. So, yeah, exactly. Um, but I think that kind of wraps up uh, everything we have for this episode. Um, again, we'll we'll come at you guys next week, um, sometime early in the week, depending on what kind of news we get. Um, that's all kind of just uh, to be determined. Um. Maybe if we don't get much, maybe we'll still maybe do just do a special one kind of talking about the all-star game. We'll kind of just uh, wait and see on that with with everything that we're presented from from now until uh, Monday, Monday evening. Um, I think is a, a fair assessment for, for how we'll go go about all of that. Yeah, I yeah, we'll uh, we'll have to see if uh, much comes out, you know depending on how entertaining the all-star game is and uh, what comes out on Monday with the uh, 2018 world junior team announcement or press conference. If they, we get a bunch of new stuff. Uh, yeah. There's a good chance we'll do a midweek podcast, but if not, uh, there's not a lot of games going on right now, so it could uh, also slide to Friday. Yeah. Yeah. We'll kind of just uh, play, by, play ear. by ear. Um, we will throw updates up on the socials um, for what we're going to do because we are getting more active on those. And you can find us over on Instagram or Twitter slash X at S-E-U Hockey. Uh, three simple letters and then hockey. Feel free to uh, throw us a follow on there. Um, we'll keep you updated with with everything that's going on. So you'll be some of the first to know um, about all that. But again, thank you to everybody for listening. Um, enjoy the All-Star Weekend. I know we will. Um, for for what it's worth, I guess we'll kind of figure out what it's worth um, as we go through it. But nonetheless, it will be a good time. So once again, thanks for listening, and we will catch you guys next week.